You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello. Hi. It's us. It's us. You're about to hear an episode on Independence Day. With Lindsay Ellis, the one, the only. But first, a few plugs. Oh, yes. Uh, We have a few shows coming up in multiple countries, multiple continents. First, we have our last L.A. show for a while at the Ruby on July 13th. We're covering Anastasia for, for my birthday. birthday. I'll be cosplaying as Rasputin, of course. <laughs> um, that's on July 13th. Go to BechtelCast.com. Click on live for tickets there. I'm also doing my show one more time on July 20th at the Lyric Hyperion. Boss Who Miss Girl, if you want to check that out before we leave the country to go to <gasps> dot, 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 London and Edinburgh. <laughs> So, yeah, you're doing your show, Boss Room is Girl, July 27th and July 28th at the Bill Murray. Tickets are already running low. That's in London. That's in London. It's the show I'm taking to Edinburgh Fringe Fest called Boss Room is Girl. It is a skewering satire of corporate feminism in the vein of Sheryl Sandberg, Elizabeth Holmes, etc. Fun. Uh, It's a fun show. It is very fun. I've seen it many times. (laughs) Two. (laughs) And I'm going to see it more when we are both in Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah, I'll then be uh, doing the show every single night at uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival at the Pleasance Baby Grand from July 31st to August 26th. Tickets for that are also on the Bechtel Cast website or on my website. I will be selling tickets at any cost. (laughs) And then after that run ends, we will be going to London London for two an evening of two live Bechtel casts that I'm really excited it's our first it's our first international performance sorry Canada so (laughs) we'll we'll come we'll be there soon Canada don't you worry but uh, first we'll be in London on September 1st yes two back-to-back shows that evening Mm -hmm. we are covering Pixar's Brave Mm -hmm. and The Favorite so uh, hopefully that's appropriate and you'll (laughs) enjoy it we know that Brave does not take place in London but we've already done Paddington so (laughs) with that and we're pretty sure that's the only listen we're not covering the King's speech you don't want to hear it we don't want to do it 
<laughs> so we'll be at the Albany. Uh, tickets are officially on sale. They can be found at Bechtelcast.com in the live tab. And we hope to see you there. And then uh, don't forget, I'm doing a couple stand-up shows in Edinburgh as well mm-hmm. in late August. I'm doing some in London and I'm doing some in Dublin as well. So if you, if you live in those parts, please check me out. All my uh, stuff will be on my website, CaitlinDrante.com. Love it. So without much further ado, happy Independence Day episode. Yes. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Good morning. In less than an hour and a half, uh-huh. we will have finished talking about the movie Independence Day. Oh, no. Uh, and many from around the world will have listened to it. Mm-hmm. And we can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We... we <laughs> Caitlin, you are such well, an inspiring leader. <laughs> really, this is why you keep getting reelected. We will be fighting for our freedom from the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Should we win? Today will no longer be considered an American holiday, but a day that we were declared in one voice. I'm like in the crowd, high on meth, ready to tear my shirt off at any moment. Oh, so you're Randy Quaid? Yes. Um, we will not go quietly into the night. Ah! We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going this to so long, survive. Caitlin. This is really... Today, we celebrate the Bechtel cast. Welcome to it. Oh gosh, I did. I uh, so many twists and turns. I really nominate this one for for something, anything. Thank you. You told me I could do the intro, and and that's and what really, I thought would be the best choice. I was just gonna be like, I got dental surgery. My mouth hurts. <laughs> Mine does too. I know it's kind of. Fun. I I feel like that's our version of a glow up. Is that we are getting our serious dental problems taken <laughs> care of? Yes. Uh, you know, three years of work, and we're finally able to see a dentist. Mm-hmm. I mean, mine, to be fair, mine is a Groupon dentist. Sure. But she was very nice and she did all the procedures at once. And I feel like my skull is on fire. Oh, my goodness. I'm yeah. so sorry. No, it's good. Anyway. It's a healthy good. I'm Caitlin Durante. I'm Jamie Loftus. And we talk about movies. Mm-hmm. With our perfect teeth. With our with our now perfect teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this episode will be flawless. Yes. It's and not like Bruckheimer flawless. We don't have veneers, mm-hmm. gigantic veneers protruding three inches out of our head. But. <laughs> We examine movies through the lens of how they treat and represent women. We use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point. Yes. And that, of course, is... The metric invented by cartoonist Alison Bechdel. That is a test applied to media. Uh, For our purposes, it means that there has to be a scene in a movie that uh, has two female-identifying characters with names who talk about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue. Dialogue. Doesn't sound hard, but, but... etc. Yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming this isn't your first episode. If it is, you know, you can find that in a different episode. Yes. So today we're talking about Independence Day. Yeah. And today, the day this episode comes out is also Independence the Day. The actual day. Yeah. 
Oh, amazing. Yes. Wow. We're recording it, perhaps not on Independence Day. Celebrating Independence Day is like weird now. Yeah. Yeah. There's like some people that I, I don't I, I don't even remember what I did. I think I was with you in, last year, but there were some people who were like being real irony bros about it. And like, well, I hate that worse than celebrating it sincerely. I don't know. <laughs> what a strange time to be alive. It certainly is. Yeah. And uh, hey, let's introduce our guest. Yes. I'm so excited. She's a video essayist. She's an author. And you remember her from our Phantom of the Opera episode passions were flared oh my goodness <laughs> it's Lindsay ellis hey thank you for having me to talk about the best movie yeah in all back. of the history <laughs> a, a cinematic masterpiece might be the best piece of art i mean mm-hmm. yes oh. it is it's a feminist text it's a, it's, <laughs> an, it's a piece of art it's a scholarly text <laughs> <Yes>. yeah <laughs> so we are talking about independence day Lindsay, what is your history relationship with this movie that's a good question i feel like uh it's very like baked into the fabric of my DNA. Mm. Like it just like fused with me the moment it came out, and uh, we've been one ever since. And okay. you know, like when you mentioned the author part, like when my book comes out next year, people, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tracks. I just it was kind of one of those movies of the '90s where like, because for the most part, I I I don't really experience nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a deeply cynical person, sure. but I think like Independence Day. Is just like where every piece of nostalgia of my brain is funneled because it's such a deeply stupid movie. <laughs> but I also argue, I feel like Independence Day raises a very interesting philosophical question, which is can a stupid movie be good? Uh huh. And I think we're going to talk about that today. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I think yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, what's your history? Uh, I don't have a ton of history with this movie. I do remember that for some reason it was the our first DVDs in my home were this and Holes. Okay. This was for a very long time the only two DVDs I had. I loved Holes and my parents loved Independence Day and that was simply the way it was. Okay. And those were the two DVDs. So I have seen, I had seen this movie, I hadn't seen it in like years, but in my head I'm like, oh, that's what my mom and dad would watch right after I finished watching Holes. <laughs> so, They're like, it's our turn with the DVD player, Jamie. <laughs> yes, yeah, just a really, uh, a lot of draconian battles over the DVD mm-hmm. player. Um, so yeah, this is for me mostly the movie that would come on after Holes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> what about you? This came out when I was 10, and I believe I saw it in a drive-in movie theater at age 10. And then I did not watch it again after that, ever. Uh, did you like popping. it? Do you remember liking it? I remember liking it, but then Men in Black came out oh, the yeah. next year, and I was yeah. like, I like this Will Smith alien movie way better than Independence Day, so Men in Black was my shit. I think mm-hmm. Men in Black was my Will Smith entry point. That okay. was probably the first time I'd ever like seen him. Sure. It, Independence Day was definitely my my Will Smith uh, gateway drug, but Men in Black Will Smith was like my Will Smith heroin. Like that was the one I really developed a problem <laughs> sure. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sort of that one-two punch, which is funny because like Will Smith would talk about how he didn't want to be known as the alien guy, yeah. but like arguably his two most influential movies are yeah. different takes, like very different takes on uh, you know conspiracy theory 
Americana. And it's funny because neither of neither of these films can decide if the deep state is bad or not. <laughs> They're like, I guess, the, well, the deep state's there. Mm-hmm. It's doing its best. It's too vague. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're trying. Slap some cute faces on the deep state. See they how got, they feel about they it. They got Brent Spider. Yeah. He's real excited about Brent, this, the lights. Brent Spider, who I was like, oh, my God, it's the villain from The Master of Disguise. Oh, really? Yes. Well, that is a deep cut. He yeah. is uh, <laughs> the guy, Data on Star Trek, which is how oh, I think most that? people Maybe know him. Or that. <laughs> that. Okay. Did not know that. Beloved know. Broadway actor, Brent Spiner. Oh, good, good. I good, love good. a character actor. Uh, I did see Independence Day. Is it Resurgence or whatever the, oh, yeah, the yeah. sequel yeah. from the sequel 2016? Yeah, I saw Although that I, in I theaters. I have a different love for that one because it's oh, so really? ambitious and like just so out of time because like you know like I because I did a video about this which I'm sure we're going to kind of at least touch on which is how like Independence Day is a movie that could only exist in the 90s yes and then we have the sequel that just does not make any sense in like a post 9-11 Alex Jones world and and so the movie they made was just like well I guess we're gonna invade them right (laughs) isn't for the new one it's basically everyone is back except for Will Smith yeah like most people Oh. Except for they recast uh, the president's daughter, which is kind of bewildering because uh, Mae Whitman, yeah, Mae Whitman is an actual star, working yeah. actor, yeah. And, and they they recast her with a hot nobody. Um, her, yeah, her, her. <laughs> yeah. Roland Emmerich went her, and then recast her. Okay, uh, I'll just jump into the recap, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, let's roll. There's this movie is also famously two and a half hours long it is it is so real long long. right that's nothing compared to the norm today that's true i mean but for a first movie i don't know that's like a short marvel movie very long that's true (laughs) yeah so it's july 2nd act one (laughs) yes act one they tell you exactly where the act breaks are in this movie kind of a master class in that way (laughs) i should teach a class on this movie you should screenwriting with roland (laughs) so an extraterrestrial radio signal comes in and everyone's freaking out jeff goldblum is there he's a science guy Still not Again. entirely sure what his specific job is. Well, he's a science guy in a he's lot a of cable repairman. He's a cable repairman, Says, as his dad jokes. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I think that's not quite accurate. I think he's a technician at a cable company. Mm, got it. Only to become a hacker later on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it makes he sense. He knows, the, he knows the fiber. It's true. <laughs> he's got a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> they use the same OS. Oh, I love the vague techno jargon used in this movie. Oh. He's like, I put a, I put a, a virus. virus into the aliens and they're screwed. And everyone's like oh my god another thing that only works in 96 like yeah yeah <laughs> like people like, will see the movie hackers and you're like sure yeah yeah exactly <laughs> hackers my favorite part of hackers is that a lot of the cast is wearing crew neck sweatshirts that say vcr on it. <laughs> like it's just like i just love the most. like green ones and zeros that like oh yeah they're like this is technology as they like coding use their consciousness with the computer because that's how hacking yeah yeah absolutely how it works Okay, so um, Randy Quaid is drunk. He's dusting crops. <laughs> so it's Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. Um, then we meet really the... playing the time. <laughs> <laughs> then we meet the president of the United States, uh, played by Bill Pullman. It's uh, President Thomas Whitmore, and no one's taking him seriously because they think he's too young and that he's a wimp. Oh my gosh! I love that his central issue is like I'm too hot. 
no one will take me seriously. Oh, there, there is a lore behind that. Like, uh, apparently, like in in earlier scripts, it was like there was there was like a whole thing about how he tried to introduce universal health care because it was like they're very obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah they're very obviously hair. like if you go into the Independence Day wiki, which I never have, uh, <laughs> like they, there's like a whole backstory about how like he tried to introduce universal health care and it failed and then the Republicans regained control of Congress and that's why his approval ratings have crashed. Interesting. Whoa. I mean, that would be less dumb than I'm too hot <laughs> and no one I'm just it. too charismatic. They couldn't fit that backstory yeah. in so they're just like, he's just too... It's not even in the director's cut. <laughs> too many alien punches to fit in. Yeah. There's yeah. only so much time. Exactly. So he's too hot to be president. So he's too hot <laughs> and then his press secretary, Connie, is relaying a lot of this information to him. She's just like, no one thinks you're cool. Then uh, it turns out the signal that's coming in is from this enormous alien mothership that's approaching Earth. And then several huge spacecrafts break off from the mothership and then like head towards Moscow, New York City, D.C., some other major cities around the world. I mean, they just like hover over those cities for a while. They're just hanging out. Mm-hmm. The president's like, I don't care. I'm staying in <laughs> D.C., okay? It's like they're ominously hovering over like all these major cities. It's probably fine. And then yeah. ca- canonically, this movie is taking place in 1996, yes. right? Yes. So yeah. it is also a few months before the election. <laughs> Right, right. Oh yeah, it was never an election year. I've thought a lot about no this movie. No one mentions there's that. an election coming up. So if you're hot president and people are already like he's too hot, I was like, oh, they would say pretty boy ran away from conflict. Ah. Hot man must be strong. <laughs> yeah, come up for re-election, Connie. <laughs> yeah. I gotta stand my ground. I gotta be sexy and here. <laughs> <laughs> so then we finally meet. Will Smith, the genie himself. <laughs> we finally meet his character, which is Steve Hiller, 20 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. They um, really make you wait. They make you wait. He is military. He has to report to his base to deal with these alien spaceships. He thinks there's no danger, but his girlfriend, Jasmine, is like, I don't feel good about this. There um, is something about seeing Vivica A. Fox in a one floor house that made me want it to be the beginning of Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> right? She's had better scenes in a one floor house. Indeed. So back in New York, Jeff Goldblum, he figures out that the signal that they received was actually a countdown that all the spaceships are using. And then when they get to zero, they're going to attack. So he and his dad, played by uh, Judd Hirsch. They only attack planets with satellites. (laughs) The satellite system already installed. I love an arbitrary countdown in a movie. It's It's like stealing it out. It's like when you steal your neighbor's Wi-Fi. That's just what these aliens are doing with the satellites. That's why they, they went for the inhabited planet. Literally, they needed their yeah. It's like their version of like, it's only three days until the talent show. <laughs> <laughs> so then Jeff Goldblum's character, his name is uh, David, and his dad, played by Judd Hirsch, they drive to D.C. to tell the president. But before like really anything can be done about this countdown news, the aliens start blowing shit up, including the iconic White House explosion scene. Yes. Um, So then the president and his staff, they get to safety, and then Jasmine and her son Dylan get to safety, but a bunch of other people die. Now we're in July 3rd, a.k.a. Act Act (laughs) 2. 
Will Smith and his right. Marine buds go in for a counterattack against the aliens, but the alien ship has this force field, and they're fighting back in their own little, like, fighter ships, and Will Smith is the only survivor of the Marines in this counterattack, so Love he goes over... Right, he goes over to an alien ship that he took down, and then punches an alien in the face welcome to earth (laughs) and then he starts dragging this alien back to his base meanwhile in the la area jasmine finds the first lady in some rubble yeah (laughs) hillary clinton herself Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. pile of dirt red-headed hillary uh (laughs) that actor plays the president in battlestar galactica so she oh. goes from first lady she, she to president. Wow, level up. The thing that didn't happen in the real life. The thing that did not yeah. happen to Hillary Clinton. <laughs> That's unrealistic. <laughs> I mean, at least Hillary Clinton doesn't die of internal no bleeding. bleeding. <laughs> so there's that. True. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> she still got time. <laughs> Aliens might arrive tomorrow. They, she might be in a helicopter. Yes. <laughs> so then Randy Quaid, who is again in this movie for He's, some reason. And also is so important. <laughs> because he only yeah. becomes more important as the movie continues. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, yeah. But he is with his kids somewhere outside of L.A. They're in a desert. He keeps talking about how aliens had abducted him 10 years ago. This is really very Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And Randy Quaid may not have even known it at yeah, this I don't, time. I don't think Randy Quaid knew this was fiction. I this think he a- thought he was making a documentary. <laughs> And he was just testifying his <laughs> personal experience. Uh, every line yeah. of his is improvised. There was a lot more. Like, I think in the director's cut in the script, there was a lot more rape jokes. Oh, of no. like, how, oh, did the aliens rape you, Russ? Boy, you sure did get raped by those aliens. There was already so much of that. Yeah. Yeah. There was already quite a bit. Yeah, there's these like guys who are bullying him. And they're like, like laughing they about sexual it? stuff to you. And it's what like, an oh, odd, odd place to go. <laughs> <laughs> so Randy Quaid picks up Will Smith. And the alien that he's dragging around and who he had punched in the face. He picks him up in the desert and then the president and his friends are taken to Area 51 because there's a an alien research facility there. And that's also where Will Smith and Randy Quaid go. And then the scientists at Area 51 start to dissect Will Smith's alien but it's still alive. and An it, alien less vaginal than your average movie alien. Yeah. True. But still it, pretty vaginal. It does, not it, unvaginal. It, it, they, like, <laughs> they like slice it open and then it like falls open yeah. into these like pretty flaps. Yeah. yeah. It gives a big flap. Yeah. There's, there's, there's more, a scalpulin. I feel like it's somewhere <laughs> in the, the middle of like from not vaginal at all to like which one is like like Stranger Things Face season hugger. one oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. erupting pussy monster sure um, um, and then a- which I, I'm going to confuse it alien or aliens one of them has or maybe both have um, the pods like the facehuggers that fl- yeah. flip open yeah. Yeah, the facehuggers are pretty veggie yeah. yeah so yeah so this semi-vagina alien it's still alive. We'll and release it, our rankings at a later time. Yeah. Yeah, we should go to the Wikipedia page yeah. for like vaginal-inspired alien design. There's a video. Oh, the, yeah. That'll be my one that, for July. Yeah. <laughs> some of them get design. really like goopy, too. And, well, then, like, and then you're like, this has gone too far. Like, you have not seen a the, vagina, I think it's know? the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but the oh. Kraken shows up. Oh, and that yeah. is like a vagina monster to end all vagina monsters. Well, it just monsters. makes me wonder about like, 
alien metabolism that they are always covered in goo. Like, <laughs> even, like, the Independence Day aliens, they are always kind of have that, like, low-level sheen going yeah. on. Yeah. And it's just, like, maybe they're just sweating. Maybe they're very sweaty. They, they are in the desert. They look like, like uh, Glossier models. Like, they just look kind of wet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just always to... kind of wet. Because it's never, it's not quite scaly. It's moist. There's a moisture going on. Just sure. need a towel off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So this alien uses its telepathic abilities to communicate through this guy, Dr. Oaken, uh, which is Brent Spiner's character. And the president's like, hey, why don't we just like try to coexist peacefully? And the alien is like, no, I want you to die. <laughs> That's my favorite scene where he's like, can we find a way to coexist? And then the alien just goes, no. No. <laughs> And then they're kind of like, well, it was worth asking. Yeah, he's like, hey, hey, I tried. And then he doesn't even go, why? Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, okay, he said no. Okay. Uh, some real nuke, diplomacy. Time to nuke him. Diplomacy 101. Yeah. President hottie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, then Jeff Goldblum is like, no, we can't use nuclear weapons against them. That's, this is a horrible idea. And he's right. They try. It doesn't work uh, because the, the shields are still up mm-hmm. on the alien spaceship. So then Will Smith borrows a helicopter and somehow knows exactly <laughs> where to go to find Well, he his went girlfriend. to El Toro. But why would he think she Because they agreed there? to meet there. Oh, did they? Okay, yeah, I missed that he's, part. Yeah, because like, whenever he leaves, he's like, come to me at the base after you go stripping. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And so that's where she's trying to get the whole movie, is trying got to it. get to the base. And then when she gets there, it's been destroyed by the, uh, the alien pod got it, got it, fighters. Got it. So the they, fighters. they meet up, and they're like, oh, my God. There's and then a great kiss. There's a kiss. And then... It's backlit. It's beautiful. The president is reunited with... His wife, but she's bleeding eternally, and then she dies. Oops. It is now July 4th, Act 3, baby. Uh, Everyone's at their lowest point. Looks hopeless. Yes. Those alien shields are pretty impenetrable. They're never going to come down. (laughs) Those are impenetrable, you guys. What are we going to do? We uh, arbitrarily killed one of the women. We're all at a low. Exactly. The the music swelled. It was very emotional. It It was. was Yeah. And then Jeff Goldblum, he's throwing a fit, and his dad's like, hey, get off, off this freezing floor before you catch a cold and jeff goldblum's like that's it we have to give the alien ship a computer virus and then like (laughs) zeros and ones begin to rain into the screen like a screensaver well i mean like my favorite part of this scene is he is drunk like he is lit when Uh he comes up with the computer virus idea and I like to, like, my headcanon of this scene, because, like, the whole thing, like, happens over the course of, like, four hours. Mm-hmm. So you don't sober up after four hours. Right. <laughs> so, like, he comes up with this idea while he's wasted. He pitches it while he's still drunk. <laughs> he's still drunk when he gets in the craft with Will Smith. Exactly. And it's only that whenever he goes, oh, what was I thinking? That he has sobered up. Sure. <laughs> my head cannon. And he's like oh. about to throw up and it's like, sure, he gets like air sickness, but it's also because he's also, like... also he's been drinking drink. a lot yeah. the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. So then they figure out that they have to, they're going to fly this small alien ship that they have into space to the mothership and infect it with the virus, uh, which will cause all the shields to like retract. And then Will Smith is like, I'll do it. 
They organize the attack. They gather up all the pilots they can, including Randy Quaid, by just asking, like, hey, does anyone here know how to fly? And he's like, and then I'm, he's like, no. Oh, but the best part of that aliens. scene is the contrivance for why they have enough planes but not enough pilots. Because there's, like, a newscast where they're like, yeah, uh, the mil- a bunch of military people are hiding in the mountains because they're scared. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the re- like that's the the explanation. It's just like our our brave troops are actually quite cowardly They're... when push comes to shove. Anyways, huh. we'll deal with them later. <laughs> the honestly, the most of the third act, like the the logic behind every decision, was very cryptic to me. Well, but that's it, why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to explain. Because, like, it's I, one of those really pedantic movies where every time you're like, but why did thing? It's like, ah, there was a throwaway line. There, there was, was a, a throwaway line. Because huh. I was like, because as I was watching it and, and you know, I mean, it's like you barely have to. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to follow if you're really paying attention. But you barely have to be able to follow. You're just like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So someone's going to fly into the spaceship and then someone's going to kiss and then it's over. Yeah. yeah it's going to be great. The yeah. two things that need to happen in this movie yeah and alien corpse parts will fall from the sky and the music will swell and <laughs> and bill pullman's on the ground like seemingly forgetting that his wife died yeah. less than 24 he, hours he's ago he's feeling pretty good he's, he's got like, his cigar Woo-hoo! so many people die and then he's the people thrilled. who should react to that do not react to that yeah, yeah. like the, the like the next day the first scene of uh, act two july 3rd is like will smith and friends like getting cigars and like woo ready to whoop et's ass and it's like jasmine is presumed dead yeah as is pretty much the entire population of la county i assume you have family sir right yeah (laughs) yeah no one cares and then when randy quaid dies his his son is just like i'm so proud of him yeah it's like like, are you crying like why don't (laughs) i mean mean, at least that that was a complicated relationship between father and yeah because like most of the director's cut is like extension of the randy quaid plot and it's like convoluted and like well because like he like that the son is actually his stepson because randy quaid married his mother so the brother is actually a half brother but i think the oldest is just like the only stepson okay the mother died at some point i'm pretty sure she's native american and uh so that's like a whole thing what a strange amount of detail to apply to that character and and so they and then like the middle child is has like a medical condition and they spend like a long time trying to find meds for this kid yeah (laughs) it's so agonizingly long a lot of that stays i mean like the sick kid is still there and you're he does puke he does puke he's definitely (laughs) sick i'm like i don't are we who is he (laughs) like whenever those kids i know that they're like randy quaid's it's just weird how much this movie is just like people love Randy Quaid and <laughs> and they're gonna root for him no matter the what. Focus groups say more Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> and yet there's no time to develop any of the female characters. Wild. No. You don't wanna die a virgin, right? Like that <laughs> oh whole... god, I can't wait to talk oh, about boy. that. So then Bill Pullman gives his famous speech. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum fly off into space. They go. They upload the virus to the mothership. Also, they're friends now. They're, fr- they're best friends. <laughs> uh, the pilots fire at will at the spacecrafts on Earth. Randy Quaid sacrifices himself to save everyone. And then <laughs> the, best the boys come back from space and they <laughs> get some kisses. Here. The lady right. folks run into yeah. their arms and they are some beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful salt flat. Yes. And then that is the movie. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll come right back. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Oh, man. Okay. Where to begin? Well, so, Lindsay, you did a video essay on Independence Day versus War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of just interested on your take on how this movie, Independence Day, can kind of only exist in the time frame that it came out in. And just give us a a recap, so to speak, of your video, if if you wouldn't mind. Well, it's it's interesting because to jump onto another 90s classic the matrix Mm. i remember when that movie came out and part of the whole premise of the matrix is that like 1997 was the peak of human civilization before it started declining (laughs) and i remember at the time thinking that's ridiculous (laughs) and in hindsight i'm like oh (laughs) i think there might have been something to that (laughs) because the 90s was a weird kind of uniquely stable time in world history. And I feel like when I put that out, people are like, oh, but this thing, but this other thing. It's like, well, in the in the grand scheme. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like it was between the Berlin Wall Goes Down and 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so a result is that the, the media is um, kind of bored and really <laughs> drawn to disaster. Yeah. And so Independence Day kind of fits in like sort of a Venn diagram of like fascination with uh, aliens that was very, or rather specifically like, Aliens and, uh, like, uh, American conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. Like, the three biggest examples of that being uh, The X-Files, Independence Day, and Men in Black. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of falls under disaster movies, um, which neither X-Files or Men in Black are. So it's, like, two of the biggest, like genres, dated genres of the 90s. Uh-huh. And both of those things died <laughs> when 9-11 <laughs> happened uh-huh. because suddenly conspiracy theories weren't so cute and fun anymore and also nobody wanted to watch disaster movies. Right. It's uh, kind of interesting now and in how it's like swung way the other way. Like all the disasters you see on uh, movies and I guess now on television, <clears throat> Game of Thrones, are <laughs> like they love... <laughs> Boy, they love... Uh, they love their 9 11 uh, imagery. Uh-huh. Um, 
So I think it, it just it takes an approach that audiences were, of course, totally down with at the time because it didn't really take this idea of international disaster seriously. It's such a fun movie, like you said. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of reacts to this horrible disaster with, like, ready to kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Oh, Harry, <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. drives me fucking crazy in this movie. Uh, Does he, yeah, he crazy with to... love? Crazy mm. with desire? That was supposed to be Matthew Perry originally. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't he know that. cast, and huh. then, uh, I don't know. He's like, I gotta go, I gotta be, go be friends friend. some more. <laughs> I gotta go be the worst character on Friend. Instead <laughs> of the worst character in Independence. Right. <laughs> Matthew Perry no, is almost always the worst part. And I like him, but he is, he's the worst part of Seventeen again. Oh, he's sure. the worst part of a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we love him. He's <laughs> the worst part of the movies that star him. Yeah. Like the whole nine yards. There's, oh, and <laughs> he was on that show that was called Go On, but it was stylized, so it looked like the name of the show was Goon. <laughs> and oh. then it got canceled after three episodes. That's one of my favorite Matthew Perry failures. Oh, sure, 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 sure. That's a whole other podcast. So uh, I think, so there's an... <laughs> <laughs> Super producer Sophie so is cracking <laughs> up on this episode. She, she, she likes the Matthew Perry shade. <laughs> Perry's pitfalls. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Coming Lindsay, go fall. on. Uh, so uh, when we when we do a sociological study of the, um, uh, yeah, so. Uh, there's an interesting sort of trend going on right now that is is, is kind of in its twilight. Uh, but this is this is true of like any twenty year cycle because. You know, it's like you'll have 20-year cycles that appeal to certain age groups and 30-year cycles that appeal to others. So that's why there's, like, an interesting sort of, like, parallel right now with 90s nostalgia and remakes Mm -hmm. and 80s nostalgia and aesthetic. Like, I think the two biggest for 80s nostalgia right now are It, the the It franchise, Mm -hmm. and Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. Um, But with 90s nostalgia, it'll be, like, remakes or reboots of 90s things. And boy, do the ones, like, Men in Black International is coming out, like, Mm -hmm. uh, or came out already. (laughs) (laughs) That was a movie that happened. Um, And we loved it. We sure did see it. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Independence Day Resurgent came out in 2016. And uh, the X-Files reboot was also a thing that happened yeah. but I, I wish we could talk about men in black international and how it did if we had the time <laughs> oh shoot <we're, laughs> shoot we just simply but don't it's interesting that like you know independence day resurgence it was too different from the old one because it couldn't piggyback off of the you know conspiracy theory americana that it was written around and x-files didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with the way uh, conspiracy theories are now a uh, part of the culture and how you know and both movies are extremely um Naive, I would honestly say, borderline <laughs> irresponsible, mm-hmm. uh, especially the X Files, because <laughs> um, Roland Emmerich has this really interesting uh, preoccupation with conspiracy theory. Because I genuinely think he doesn't believe it, huh. uh, but I, I don't think he understands that a lot of people do. Yeah. So so yeah, it's 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 interesting, sort of like as a as a as a study, like an anthropological case study of a time sure. in history that uh, you know is just we can't ever go back. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the movies we cover on the podcast. We, you know, talk about how they are very much a product of the time that they come out in because, you know, they will be just ripe with homophobia, sexism, mm-hmm. all, all manner of, of problematic things that, 
you know, we in 2019 are like, oh my God, how was that ever okay? And not that it ever was, but, you know, culturally we were in a different space 10 years ago, 20 years ago, of, on and on. Yeah. But yes, this is this movie is kind of a, a, a product of its time in a, a different way than we normally discuss. But there are still some things well, as it... plenty to talk. I mean, yeah. it, it is like, it's weird, like... It, it was like genuinely jarring as much as I enjoyed this movie, but it's like a little bit jarring in some way to see a disaster movie with such like an optimistic tilt. Mm -hmm. Like you don't really ever like there are moments, but you don't really ever see anyone on earth consider that they will lose. Like, (laughs) well, I mean, that's such part of the, just this American nest because it's an American story filtered through the lens of a German who mm-hmm. was raised very wealthy. So he he is the essence of privilege, which is interesting because like Roland Emmerich was at the time pretty much the only out gay director. Like Brian Singer mm-hmm. wasn't out yet. And plus he wasn't really famous yet because, uh, you know, his usual suspects had just come out. Uh, mm. Double check that. Um, but it, it's it's like going through that filter is very interesting because I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know if an American would be shameless enough to make a movie like this, but <laughs> Americans really reacted to it positively. Mm-hmm. I mean... In, in, a, you know, in a way that like Roland was never able to, or Roland was never able to recapture <laughs> that level of success even though he's basically been grandfathered into you can make whatever movie you want until now Mm. (laughs) I think he's finally lost that but it is like the perfect moment of just like USA USA there's so many moments here that I feel like you could show that same clip and put it in a movie from 2019 and it would be like a jokey thing Mm -hmm. or a sinister thing to see someone like like a group of mostly white dudes going like USA mm-hmm. USA that's scary to people now yeah. right 1996 they're like no this is Wee! like the peak of the yeah. movie or it would be a very different for a different crowd like I could see yeah. a really conservative tilting movie do that but for I think sure. like this movie because like you know Roland is liberal Hollywood liberal but like I think that this movie is made for <laughs> made for Democrats let's put it that way like, <laughs> it's a movie for Democrats yeah they um, got the Clintons in office yeah, yeah. basically they just <laughs> They only they don't like him because he's too he's too hot he's too cool he all but he's like too cool he, he plays a saxophone too much I was to say, he all but pulled out he a was saxophone. on Arsenio Hall too many times uh, it, it was I mean but this movie was uh, seventy five million budget eight hundred seventeen million Ooh, box office like because it's it great yeah it was very successful it was the number I think it was the number one movie of the year it came the, out. the year it was I'll one or two check doesn't surprise me also just a stray observation about disaster movies before 9-11 they're orange after 9-11 they're blue yeah they're oh. very gray yeah because again like with with game of thrones is an example where we got like 20 9-11s <laughs> <laughs> that color palette never let up no <laughs> until uh, the the threat was stabbed it's um, exhausting yeah but yeah it's just it's just like i think there is something about just like the suppressive blue palette like the sort of blue gray uh that before 9-11 was mostly associated with like you know holocaust movies oh, um, sure. and even after 9-11 like there there was something just like this very like russian work camp prisoner of war like we saw that in the like the pianist mm-hmm. uh had a very blue color palette even the beginning of x-men <laughs> oh, <laughs> the yeah. first x-men movie but it's just like it's the blue plus the haze you know mm-hmm. is like uh, there's so many like uh, Avengers 1, Man of Steel, a lot uh, of Marvel yeah, a lot movies, of Game of Thrones, uh, Endgame kind of did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Endgame was kind of purple. 
Yeah. It was like a purple it. haze. I mean, <laughs> Thanos was there and he's yeah. very purple. He's, he's just, he purple just Hitler, baby. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about the women in the movie, shall we? Yeah, so many his wives. So, such. So this his is wives. a huge his wife well, movie. Well, I think that's a, speaking of product of its time, mm. like, I think that's another thing that people just didn't really bat an eye at, mm. which is there's no women in leadership positions. There's like, none of them contribute anything valuable to the plot. Mm. None of them come up with any uh, idea. I guess the closest is Vivica A. Fox taking the initiative to, 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 to drive a truck yeah. uh, right. and save she, the like, first lady some people. who dies yeah. anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's just something that you would never see. in like I, I think even in uh, 2005 with War of the Worlds, it felt a little off that there that the girl child was just so helpless and mm-hmm. never, uh, like, grew or learned anything. Like, even, even then it felt a little, like, I was surprised there weren't even like any like Mary Sue moments in this movie. I'm like, oh, someone's going to be able to like do because you are presented with two female characters that have the illusion of power. You've got the first lady Mm -hmm. who is like this Hillary Clinton cipher. So it's like, okay, maybe she might be doing something. Mm -hmm. No, no. Uh, Then we have uh, what's her name? The character's name is Connie. Connie, who is the press press secretary. secretary. The press secretary. And it seems like, oh, she's in a position of power. Perhaps she will impact the plot at some point. But then the twist is... She's Jeff Goldblum's wife. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Because he are... wants to win her back. Yeah, he, she wanted to be a career girl, and he <laughs> oh, was like, no, "But no, I no. want love." And then in the end, she realizes actually, she think he was right. Love yeah, too. She's like, "I yeah, <laughs> I definitely want to talk about that conversation they have." Oh, but um, yeah, yeah, so we meet we meet three main uh, female characters in this story, and they are all introduced in the context of them being the romantic partner of one of the important male characters. Right. Um, we don't know that Connie is a romantic partner until about a half hour in. Right. Because then, then we, we can all out. breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> she don't worry, not, boys. She's not a single woman over 30. Thank God we were so worried. Yes. So they all end up being just there to basically further characterize the male characters who they are romantically linked to in some way yeah right because i was like oh connie okay well i didn't even first i didn't i don't think they name what her job is so they do pretty early do they okay yeah because i i mean it's another one of those like there is a lot of dialogue and a lot of quick quick exchanges yeah it's very blink and you'll miss it someone yeah someone does say like very expositiony like you're the press secretary this is your job you know Okay, we we know her job. We see that she's a woman in politics. Uh, she seems important, right? Like you said, but she then... has the respect of hot president. Yes, they have that fun exchange about how he's hot. We can't say it enough. <laughs> <laughs> but then, as soon as we find out that she is the ex-wife of Jeff Goldblum's character, she his does ex-wife. nothing in the story except for like hold his hand and like look longingly at him. They realize sometimes. the meaning of love. They realize that you know <laughs> the world is burning. And, you know, they, they should have valued each other. But now they have this second chance because mm-hmm. they didn't explode in a ball of fire. I don't know if I'm more frustrated by <laughs> Connie or by the First Lady because both of them are just like you start out with like, you know, at least the feeling of like, oh, there's some potential here. They could do something. Right. And then it's just the male characters in their lives just slowly sap them of their agency until they either die or retire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which... 
Well, oh, there's no true. government anymore. They don't need a press secretary. That's true. They blew up the White House. Where yeah. is there to do government at? She's Nowhere. She's start Nowhere. a jewelry company. <laughs> She's going to start her Etsy store. And, <laughs> and she and Jeff Colbloom will, I don't know, build a cable company together. It'll be great. <laughs> so then pretty early on, Will Smith's character and his girlfriend, Jasmine, mm-hmm. are separated physically uh and we cut away to jasmine more than i thought we would i figured like we would just kind of forget about her she wouldn't be a character oh yeah yeah because it's like uh to give this movie some like small ribbons Mm -hmm. you know roland likes to i don't know if he's overstating it but like he he would talk about how he had to fight the studio to get will smith cast because um you know captain hiller is probably you know the closest thing to a main character right and Mm -hmm. like they really didn't like the idea of a black lead Um, i'm not surprised because it was not bankable Mm -hmm. and especially combining that with the fact that uh you know jasmine probably has more screen time than even connie so she probably has like she's like the most fleshed out female character in the movie she probably has the most uh, screen time of all the women so Mm -hmm. you know and it's just like well for a woman of color to get a big-ish part in like you know the biggest movie of the year it's like okay so you're, you're your gold star. Yeah. You're one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're one. Woohoo. And then one of the other main characters is identifiably Jewish. And that, I feel like, is a pretty. Oh, he's weird not thing stereotypical for... at all. No. I mean, <laughs> I look like a schlemiel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Judge Hirsch. Judge Hirsch. Like good sport. Yeah. I'm talking about that Jeff was... Goldblum. <laughs> but uh, you know, representation win. Yeah. Independence Day representation win. I mean, it's just, like, again, there's sort of like the iffy optics of a German man. Man writing this character and it's like sure sir <sighs> sir uh where do you stand okay <laughs> getting back to jasmine i yeah. she is she is like i mean she's my favorite female character mostly because we knew more about her and mm-hmm. we saw her more than any other female character we find out that uh she's a stripper so mm-hmm. we find out what her job is uh, again it's like kind of weird optics on that too where i feel like you know like we get these two rich white ladies in these fancy white lady jobs and then the only woman of color is a stripper a sex worker. Yeah. so <laughs> the optics there are and we contrived a way to get her in her like stripper outfit her like right. Las Vegas showgirl stripper outfit. Right. I was like, what is this club? I've it's never like, been to a yeah, club. Yeah, it's like, like that's like a samba outfit. Right. Um, she even explains how like that is just sort of forced into the movie. She was like, I just showed up to work to get yeah. my paycheck and they made me work. And like, so and it's like, just oh, like, so we, yeah, need, we had to who, see this like gratuitous. Who right. is who is coming into the strip club on the day of the alien invasion? Right. Like, right. why is anyone at work? Like, and then what? whatever, like Mario, who's the guy who owns the club? Mario's still <laughs> yelling at her. She also did bring her child and her dog to the strip club but I mean, she, she couldn't get a sitter yeah uh that's it okay so even though the optics on that are like funky and questionable at least they do not you know like the they, they don't use it as an excuse to degrade her she like advocates for herself when hillary clinton's like oh i'm sorry you're a mm-hmm. sex worker and she's like no i'm not fine. sorry it's like i that's how i she's make like, money i make money and like i do it for my son who is worth it like yeah, yeah. It's, there's no like well one day i won't have to do this you know it's right. just like you know i'm fine with it it's yeah. It's, yeah it's cool they have their sex positive conversation right it yeah. ends with hillary clinton being like 
Maybe it is cool. Hadn't thought of it. Anyways, <laughs> internally bleeding to death. <laughs> Thanks Goodbye. for talking to me in my last moments. Kind of fun that that was her final lesson. She's like, man, in life, I should have respected sex workers more. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. bye-bye. Bye, I mean, at least, yeah, it's just like, well, if a woman had to get fridged, <laughs> at least it's not the woman of color. <laughs> That's true. That is like another Gold star. representation win, maybe. Yeah. Hurrah. Ugh. But then we have Harry Connick Jr. telling Steve Hiller oh, you're never going to get to fly a spaceship if you marry a stripper because Will Smith is trying to be in NASA and Harry Connick Jr. is like, don't marry a stripper. What an arbitrary. I know. To me, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes one million percent sense to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the optics of astronauts are... Uh, I Actually, I just met an astronaut over the weekend. Uh, the people they select to be astronauts have to be perfect on so many levels. Like, not only are they like you know, incredibly, like, extroverted and mm. charismatic. They also, like, all of them have, like, the perfect nuclear family. Oh, sure. So I, I think it is, Oh, that like, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. the, the uh, you know, because, like, right now they're prepping up for uh, Crew Dragon at SpaceX. And, you know, whenever they talk to the people who work at SpaceX, they always, like, blip-blick to play up. They're like, well, I can't wait to come home to my children. Boy, <laughs> I, I sure do have children. <laughs> Boy, am Please. I hetero and have children. That Please I don't love. blow us up. <laughs> so cool. yeah, no, I, th- I think I think uh, I think that it's just like as as silly as that is. I think it's like yeah, that that would absolutely be a concern. Sure, but also Harry Connick Jr.'s character sucks so fucking bad. He's so obnoxious. <laughs> He's like imitating Jesse Jackson at yeah. one point. Well, and, it's interesting because like, he like has the role normally of the like goofy black friend who dies. Right. So it's like it's, yeah. it's interesting to think that they uh, and he's doing that voice. Yeah. It's like, so bizarre. Yeah. It's I'm, interesting because it's almost like they wrote that for a black guy. They wrote but it they, for Will Smith and then they reversed well, the part well, they, or they, something. Uh, I don't... They cast Matthew Perry before Harry Connick Jr. Right. So like it was always intended for an annoying white guy. It's yeah. so weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Connick got... Jr.'s performance is out of control. Tra- We've got to take a it's break. no Iron Giant. <laughs> we, have, yeah, we must take a b- break from Harry Connick Jr. And then we will come right back. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're kind of wrapping up the discussion on Jasmine mm. where it's like there's a, there's a lot, there's pros, there's cons. I she kicks down a door. Like she kicks down a door because women, when in action movie, yeah. must kick something at some point. <laughs> she has a, she's like, you know, Daenerys. She's the unburnt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to. Yeah. She manages she, to tiny, survive. Yeah, that closet hatching. is, it's, it's heat resistant. Don't worry. But there is, there is like another kind of, she is a caretaker and a motherly role Mm-hmm. For the majority of the movie, we do get to know what her job is. We do get to see her talk about herself and advocate for herself. But she is protecting her child. Not to say that she shouldn't, but right. she is kind of put into that maternal role. And then also uh, starts to rescue people. And then also briefly kind of becomes Hillary Clinton's mommy mm-hmm. nurse. <laughs> so, I mean... It, the, I mean, there's nothing, like, inherently wrong. No. Well, to be clear, yeah, with, uh, like... A, <laughs> there's nothing woman, wrong with being a good parent. Right. Well, but, I think uh, one thing you, like, I think that's only kind of very recently uh, started to change is, like, when you have action movies and disaster movies, men's narratives tend to be we are here to solve the problem and fight the problem. Women's narratives tend to be survival narratives. Mm-hmm. And I think hers is, you know, kind of like the Ur version of that, where it's like he, during the, um, you know, disaster, she is the face of humanity who had to endure it, and she then has to survive mm-hmm. until she is rescued by Will Smith. Right. Um, so, yeah, you see you see that a lot, like, you know, with like, like Hunger Games is, you know, prime, like at least the first one is a survival narrative. Mm. Another, like, weird thing about, this movie that I I don't know I see a movie like this and I don't expect to see great fathering but there's pretty much like everyone is a good parent in the movie mm-hmm. hot president is a good parent <laughs> Hillary Clinton's a good parent Vivica A Fox is a good parent Will Smith is a great stepdad uh, even Randy Quaid you know he's doing his best he's trying he's and probably lay off the sauce but sick kid gets his medicine Judd Hirsch is like don't get off that cold floor <laughs> right and he thinks that the idea for the computer virus so it's like there's the, I feel like the fathers and the mothers are are parenting equally well but the you know fathers get to go off and do cool shit and then right the whereas don't. yeah the mother yeah so that's so that's the, the I thing. guess that's the oh thing. it's like yeah. my favorite shot of the movie because I have all of them are my favorite shot of the movie <laughs> is uh, where uh, after the aliens are beat and you know Robert Loggia goes we got them beat time and then uh, he goes how about our boys are they back yet and then in the background you see uh, Vivica A. Fox and Connie like step into the frame and be like. <laughs> Yeah, are I they? I hope our boys are okay. <laughs> hope our boys are back. God, <laughs> they're just yeah, yeah. They're they're completely just sidelined for the. I mean, whatever. For Act Three, Jeff yeah. Goldblum. Yeah, for July Fourth. Well, they do say oh, you better come back. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because uh, they both say it like in their own. And Connie way. goes, "Why does it have to be you? Why can't some other like human sacrifice go?" <laughs> and then the boys come back, and then the two women run toward them and then they the kiss Kayla yeah. when the boys are back in town Vivica A. Fox is We've looking great them. in her short shorts Vivica <laughs> Fox looks not like she's just been through the end of the world um, another thing yeah. I want to say about her character is and I'm curious what everyone thinks about this but she is the only one who seems to voice any concern about the impending alien invasion she's yeah. like i don't yeah. feel good about this and Everyone then else is- will smith is like what they didn't fly 90 billion light years just to like kill us all and it's like 
Of but course they did. Like, I mean, they might be asking for help. Maybe it could be like in uh, might be an arrival, uh, or, or it could something? be like in Octavia Butler's uh, Lilith's Brood trilogy, where it's just like we need some genetic diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Randy Quaid, you're looking pretty, pretty robust. Good. <laughs> There is a moment uh, during the, and this is just like made me laugh when Will Smith is like leaving, um, and then there's something, you know, apocalyptic happening in the distance. Vivek A. Fox runs out to him. She's like, "Honey, honey, honey," and like doesn't notice the apocalypse right. until Will Smith says, "Look,", Look. and then she goes, "It's <gasps> like, how, this? like, how could oh, you not see God. it?" Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I had someone on because t- I, I was like, "Where is this?" Because this is obviously a place and that exists in the real world. Yeah. and some like, you know, it is because the magic of Twitter. Someone like within five minutes was like, "Here's the address. It's in Glendale." Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh. Wow, what a great gallery yeah. is in Glendale. Glendale. Yeah. <laughs> the so, so the point is, so Will Smith drove from Glendale to Orange County, mm-hmm. like kind of the south part of Orange County. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense because Jasmine has to go through downtown L.A. to get to El Toro. Mm-hmm. So that's why, I mean, so it kind of makes sense that she had, uh, she works in downtown L.A. She had to get her paycheck. Yeah. Right. So, and then she got talked into working. So mm-hmm. she was on her way. My, but she, I think okay. like, and everybody's like getting out, and I feel like it. It, ne- it must needs be remarked. President Hottie is not a good president. He's, no, he is quite bad at the presidenting. Like his first, you know, like mm, maybe, let's not evacuate the cities. Like, yeah, he's worried about not? re-election. <laughs> He's too, yeah, he's too busy. What, he's, is he afraid he's going to offend the aliens? I think like, he's secretly like, okay, to... let's alien nuke the states that don't vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm just like, I have some, like, and Jeff Goldblum, come on, even if they nuked every single alien shit, that would not cause nuclear winter. Do you know how many nuclear tests there have been, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum? It's been no thousands. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so Jasmine is like, hey, I think there might be something bad. I have a bad feeling about these ominous alien ships that are hovering over every major city in the world. Right. So I'm wondering is like, does that is that kind of playing to the trope of like a woman's intuition kind of thing where like... I, mean, I, know, I think, I think it's kind she's of the only person the... looking at the yeah. gigantic doom machine. I mean, like, let's be real. Like, black people do tend to have a better self-preservation uh, instinct. Sure. <laughs> so I think it's like speaking to that truth of like all the white people are like, you know, they're probably here to party. Right. <laughs> but then Will Smith says that too, and he's like, well, he's There's a dude. No thing. Wait, he's sure. a guy. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I. I mean, it's. I'm glad that someone said it because yeah. it is very weird to be like people seem remarkably unconcerned. Oh, it was the like, '90s. There was they're just like, yay, the aliens are here. I love E.T. I do yeah. love Yeah, so I guess it's good that, like, we see, like, the one person who, like, voices any sort of concern and ends up being right about it is a woman. So, yes. all right, that's good. That's true. On the other hand, there is Mary, his wife, Whitmore, a.k.a. Hillary Clinton. Mm. And her, she's away. Do we know what she's doing? She's away on First Lady Business Yes. Yeah, she's sort. like doing first lady stuff in LA. Right. So she's she's away and she's, you know, talking to Hottie President and he's like, Hey, I think like, babe, I think the world might be like ending, so you should come home. And she's like, No, I'm I have to finish doing this. Mm. Which is like dumb, but whatever. She said no to her husband. Fine. <laughs> but he's a gold star. But then but then she is later punished for that decision because she dies. Yeah. Because she didn't leave when he told her to. She yeah. does end up dying. 
and in with her dying breath and this just like oh like all right with her dying breath she apologizes to her husband for not coming home when he said she should have and that you know if only she had listened to her husband she'd be alive yeah she wouldn't have died yeah an amazing lesson and her fair her last word is liar yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they had, you know, it's just like kind of one of those things where it's like, it is, it is difficult to write like in jokey banter between two characters mm-hmm. because it's like, it's hard to translate, but their weird like relationship in joke is he'll like say an obvious lie and she'll go liar. And the first time they do that is when like he wakes up and she calls him and he's like, he's got his daughter in bed with oh, him yeah. and he's like, I have a confession to make. I'm lying next to a beautiful brunette and I'm like, Weird. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird joke weird to make, President. About ha- your child. Hoffman. Yeah. It's, and she's, you know, and she's like, or, and what was the other one? Like, he'd say, like, an obvious lie and she'd go liar. And, like, the last little in jokey banter they do is him going, The doctors think you're going to be fine. <laughs> what a horrible she, thing like, to say to your dying wife. Goes, liar. <laughs> And then goes, I'm dead. And then, like, blood burbles up out of her esophagus. And also, no one is, like, no one is worried enough about little Mae Whitman. Like, she gets a hug from her dad. She handles it well. I'm like, does she really understand what's going on? Because the next day. She's sleeping. Yeah, she's asleep. And now it's the 4th of July. And there's, you know, alien arms are on fire and we're smiling. Like, the two children, Vivica A. Fox's son and Mae Whitman, like when they're hiding in the bunker mm-hmm. <laughs> and like it, it, it's like I love 90s movies because like children do not act like children mm-hmm. where they're just like quietly sitting while chaos is erupting around them <laughs> people are screaming and the little boy says to her are you scared and she quietly nods and goes and he goes me too You're like, cut to carnage kids. outside <laughs> liar <laughs> Yeah, she shakes her head and he goes, liar. (laughs) Like, you kids, you're crazy. Can we talk about the conversation between David Levinson, a.k.a. Jeff Goldblum, and Connie, the press secretary? Where they talk about their breakup. Where they talk about, yes. The first time they're on screen together, they're talking about a fight that David and the president got into where David punched him in the face because he thought his wife was having an affair with Whitmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you she know, wasn't, but she did later. But she, <laughs> right or something. But I don't. Now I'm doing it. Yeah. Now I'm fucking. <laughs> the presidents in. in an open marriage. They're cool with it. Mm-hmm. Liar. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's a fun thing that happens. And then they have this conversation about her career uh, when they're at Area 51. She's talking oh, about boy. working in the White House and, and how the president drunk. is a good. Ma- oh yeah, he's yeah. he's getting drunker through the throughout <laughs> the scene. Yeah. She's like, the president's a good man. And he says, he better be. You left me for him or, you know, your career. And she says, you know, it wasn't just my career. It was the biggest opportunity of my life. I wanted my life to make a difference. I wanted my life to mean something. And then he says, and I wasn't ambitious enough for you. And then they start talking about him and how smart he is, but how unambitious he is. Which, he's like, like just every redditor. Like I'm a yeah. secret. I'm a secret genius. Like, or it's just like you know what? I could be really like successful. I'm just. I'm. Just, I'm a genius who's lazy. I'm just a lazy. Genius. I'm just too tired. Right. And it's like he refused. It I'm appear, an underachiever. He apparently refused to correct that problem, and so she left him. Like yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just like he just would not move for her. Is what it seems like. He just right. is like, comfortable in his rut in New York, being a you know engineer at Comcast. <laughs> 
list or whatever. <laughs> I love that male narrative of just like, well, I am smart enough to do something like better, but I'm not going to. But you know, I could. <laughs> yeah, so I just haven't been me. presented with the correct opportunity, like an alien apocalyptic invasion. <laughs> yeah, now's my chance. Wait and see, babe. <laughs> but like, I feel like this could have been a much more interesting conversation about like how he resents her career ambitions because of his like fragile male ego, which is something that happens in a lot of, you know, hetero couples and that she could like call him out for not respecting her and her agency and all that stuff, uh, which is where it seems like the conversation is headed. But then they just nope. end up talking about what a genius he is. So disappointing. Yeah. And then the, it ends with her saying, I never stop loving you. Ugh. And then that's the beginning of their like, romance rekindling. It wasn't enough, was it? No, it reminds me of like the uh, like Michael Bay does the mean version of this a lot. Like Transformers One, which steals a lot from Independence Day, <laughs> yes. um, also kind of steals that narrative of like a guy who's like a slacker and useless that you know, given the opportunity, can. Um, rise above and you know be the successful boy but i think the thing is like with you know a character like sam witwicky he is absolutely meant to be like the cipher he is the self-insert character mm-hmm. um and i think there's a reason why the, the you know these movies are always written like this like it is basically you know meant to appease the way men see themselves Mm -hmm. you know that is reflexive media where media reinforces a societal norm you know people internalize that and therefore media is created that you know is sympathetic to like this particular worldview and back and forth and then like the just the cycle continues so i think you know that of course that 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 conversation was never ever going to challenge him because Mm. it you know was meant to validate that that self-image of i'm just a secret genius i'm just lazy you're the problem because you don't see my secret genius right and like you wanted too much for yourself and also just like equating like it couldn't just be that she wanted a career it had to have also have been another man uh, yeah he's like oh you work for the president so you must be fucking the president yeah. <laughs> which i mean with bill clinton i mean like fair. i think maybe jeff goldblum's just not a very good He's not a very good partner. Yeah, I know. Well, he's <laughs> jealous of her job and of her being in the same room with other men. Yeah. And like she's like in politics, most of the people she's gonna be in the same room with are gonna be men. Right. Uh, maybe yeah. And it was just like he maybe he just knew that about himself. He couldn't deal with it. And like the Jeff Goldblum character, just kind of speaking to what you're saying about like reinforcing how men see themselves. It I feel like it even goes a step further because it's not just saying like oh like there's a a large amount of men Men who you know feel that they are secretly capable of more than the opportunities that they're given mm-hmm. and they're angry about it but in Jeff Goldblum's case they make they also make that true and so everyone around him is like you are a genius like yeah because it's like you need to be uh you know presented with extraordinary circumstance in order right. to realize your potential and okay. it's, a, it's a very appealing narrative and sure. I think it's like it tends to star men because they you know tend to need the most validation but also like I think I think they're uh you know, male audiences are going to respond a lot more strongly to this idea of, like, mm. I'm a secret genius uh, than women are. Is why you, you never really see, like, women characters that are just like, oh, I'm just a schlub until, like, the, <laughs> until because, the, like, women have to, to they start hyper-competent and good at something, mm-hmm. and then they get more hyper-competent. Right. You and know, it's like Captain Marvel or Katniss or every female Marvel character. Yes. yes. It's... 
There's no <laughs> scene. You know. Fortunately, all men are secret geniuses. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yes. Doesn't yes. Really... You're all very well, smart. <laughs> you're, you're all very the, brilliant. The same thing kind of applies to the president, where in the beginning it's set up that the public thinks that he's a wimp. He's not like the fierce leader that Americans thought they elected. And then he redeems himself by going into battle as like a fighter pilot as a soldier to fight off the alien invaders so it's like the idea of like a man showing his worth by like being a warrior a protector like that's how men that's how men show how fucking awesome they are and that they're not wimps and i mean it probably got him reelected in the upcoming election because he's like i don't think there's gonna be elections anymore i think (laughs) it's like it immediately descends into fascism it is sure yeah because you know there's like alien survivors there's alien guantanamo bay it's you know and it's very controversial (laughs) because it's just like well should we treat them the way they treated us and then it's like in district what was it District uh, Nine, yeah, yeah. They put yeah. Them into it's just—it's like, just, like that, but worse. Like yeah. there's torture. They try to hide it. You it's know. District Nine, just like July fifth in the world <laughs> of Independence Day. I feel like if this movie extended to July fifth, yeah, it would get very dark very quickly. Because then May Whitman needs to learn that her mother. Everybody's is dead, punching not aliens in the head, right? <laughs> it's just gonna be a disaster. Yeah, but yeah, I, no, it's funny because like Independence Day resurgence. It was—it's like uh, I guess it took a very humanity after the Black Plague approach to rebuilding because everything's great we've got all this technology world peace achieved you know when like you're just like we we built really well everything's great um hong kong's looking pretty nice (laughs) (laughs) i have i have a question for the table do you think yes or no that this movie was approved of and partially funded by the pentagon it absolutely was not it was not i would have guessed though yes i guess that it was and then I did some research as because we've talked like briefly in uh, the Transformers episode, and I think also in the Rock, the Rock. Mm-hmm. of just like movies that were signed off on. I mean, the Transformers, the entire. I mean, you know oh, better they, than yeah, anyone. They got so. I mean, like here's the thing. It's all like, of them. Yeah, it's it's actually really hard to get numbers on this sort of thing because like for the Pentagon, it's classified, and mm-hmm. for Hollywood, they don't have to open their books. So it's like it, from project to project, you don't know what the subsidy looked like, but mm-hmm. you can pro- you can tell that it's probably a lot more sizable if there's actually a tie-in ad campaign like man of steel had that and captain marvel had that yeah captain marvel is like one of the more recent movies that it majorly promotes the air force right um like i mean it goes back to like after top gun came out like enlistment went way the fuck up Mm -hmm. every transformers movie a couple marvel movies not all of them like winter soldier iron man one and two but not the avengers because i guess the no they didn't actually uh avengers got shot down for a pretty similar reason that independence day got shot down uh which was uh they didn't like the shadowy cabal of the powers that be in the avengers that Mm -hmm. were like giving secret orders to shield Mm. Uh, that's what they didn't like. Yeah. And in Independence Day, they didn't like Area 51. Well, and then another thing that they didn't like about Independence Day that I found, because it's, I mean, again, it is like hard to find details, but it seems to kind of come down to this one guy, Phil Strub, until like less than a year ago. We could go on about Phil Strub. (laughs) That's not even his job anymore. He was removed at the end of last year. Oh, wow. Oh, he was was there for like the entire eight. Yeah, he was there for like almost 35 years. Yeah, I went in a Phil Strub hole. Yeah, Phil Uh, Strub is interesting because he's like, he's like the shadow man that like no one can get an interview with him he is like so he for for our listeners he is like the connection between hollywood 
and the Pentagon, the military, like a, mm. any movie that receives their seal of approval have to go through him directly. And it was like that since possibly like it's like the 80s. Yeah, at least. It, was, it was the 80s, like uh, early 80s, like Top Gun was definitely in there. All the way up until the end of 2018. And there was never a press release, but he's no longer in that position. It's someone else. I had no idea. It's confusing. But he so uh, one of the reasons given for Independence Day, and it's like, again, he will never state mm-hmm. this, but I guess that uh, Will Smith's Navy pilot dating a stripper was a problem for the Pentagon as well. <laughs> See? Uh, yeah. you're, you're right. See? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this movie did not get the Pentagon seal of approval. And I guess as a result, like, had to develop effects even better because they didn't have any really assistance. Okay. So there was some special effects All that... Right. So moral of the story, a feminist icon, the Pentagon. <laughs> and, I mean, this. I feel like this movie does do a fair amount to, like, normalize sex work and stripping uh, yeah. m- more than a lot of movies we have seen which uh, we'll just have a scene that like takes place in a strip club for no reason and there are just like naked women there as scenery Yeah. Right. so at least we don't you know at least it goes a few steps beyond that and to Roland Emmerich's credit you can kind of tell the movie wasn't directed by a straight guy right you know it's just like he clearly like the camera clearly has no interest in jasmine sexually <laughs> like he like he like thinks she's pretty but like the camera never shot. leers on her like if you can again compare like the obvious comparison being michael bay but like oh sure like, oh, they like there, there's never any leering shots that are like objectifying or fetishizing yeah. like she's always very human the first time you see her she's like fully clothed in plaid and has a ponytail mm. like and the, the one stripping scene is very very short it's very showgirly yeah it's so funny. like the way it's shot is just like you know like yeah i like women yes i like yeah mm, looks good like you know just it feels a little like, I, like I, I respect women a little, uncanny valley. A little like i don't really know how to make a woman look sexy because i don't really want that but, but, like, a lesser director probably would have, like, been like, oh, we're not going to get Pentagon money if we leave a stripper narrative in. and Because it could technically be removed from the story mm-hmm. and not affect that much. Um, which, you know, does that speak to how much the women affect the plot? Yes. But it's like, I, I, I thought it was, like, cool that he didn't cut it, even though that was one of the reasons given. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I guess like, oh, she's sex rolling. positive. She's yeah. here to she's here to normalize sex work to Hillary Clinton. Yes, <laughs> she showed her a thing or two about a thing yeah. or two. You this... with your assumptions. I make good money. I own a house in Glendale. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not like, a ballerina. Honestly, I'm like I can't afford a house in Glendale. That's sick. <laughs> Who can? Um, <laughs> this is such this is such an like an American centric movie for being directed by a German guy. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. well, his his follow up was The Patriot. Oh what? <laughs> yeah. What? Roland has an like, interesting double down. Yeah, an interesting. Okay. I think it was the Patriot, and or it was either Godzilla or the Patriot. Actually, I think Godzilla was next, and the Patriot came after that. All right. But yeah, he has an interesting filmography. Uh, but it's just like all the people in the movie who are like the most capable, the ones who are gonna figure out how to crack this alien problem, are all in America. Mm-hmm. So and everyone else in the rest of the world was just like sitting around twiddling their thumbs yeah, like, like it's about bloody time <laughs> yeah <laughs> best scene ever he's also the day after tomorrow 
right? Mm-hmm. That's him too. Other best Man. movie. He loves a disaster. <laughs> he loves a disaster. He loves a mess. Oh god, because like that was when he mess. was like trying. Because like, I think that's like er, post nine eleven Roland. That's his blue is, movie. Like, yeah, where he's like, I'm gonna use my you know disaster movie powers to make money. Which again, to Roland's credit, he's like one of the few or was one of the few people keeping keeping non franchise films alive. Because mm-hmm. you know you think of like the biggest grossing movie in 1996 being Independence Day. You know, that would never happen now, ever, ever, ever. Right. But, yeah, because, like, you know, back when, so, like, Day After Tomorrow, him trying to, like, I'm going to make a point, and I'm going to make people take this seriously, and I think it probably had the opposite effect. <laughs> <laughs> what a goofy, that's like a Pres- Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum. Yeah. And it kind of does the same thing so with, like, President Dick Cheney at the end, where it's yeah. just, like, he's trying to be sympathetic to the powers <laughs> that be and give them the benefit of the doubt. I or, loved that movie. Or, they, it was, like, all the Americans, like, breaking into Mexico <laughs> Right. Switcheroo. Is Dennis, Dennis Quaid is in that movie? Yes. The yeah. other Quaid. Speaking of a Quaid. Quaid the Greater. I have more to, in with the Quaid boys. I want to yeah. say just a little bit about Randy Quaid's kids. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. So the, the, we learned in the backstory him. that there's no mom because I feel like all the moms are dead or yeah. die in this movie it's for the most part. basically a Disney movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because Jeff Goldblum's mom is dead and then the first lady also dies. Mm-hmm. Um so Randy Quaid has two sons and a daughter. The sons get to talk a lot when we see them. You know, they're in the scene. They're in the foreground, whereas, like, the daughter hardly says anything. She's usually in the background. The one scene where she is the focus, she is with a boy who is trying to convince her to have sex with him, to, like, lose her virginity with him. Yeah. Uh, and then her brother comes in, and he's like, come on we gotta go and she's like i'm not going anywhere and then her brother yanks her away that happens to her twice too because randy quaid does that to her one of the times where she keeps being like i want to do this and then someone around her is just like no, no. slam <laughs> what's so, her name at area 51 wow it's finally something about independence day i don't know i do not know this character's <laughs> what's name that character's name i was trying to i like rewound I scenes like, i was looking for it because i knew this uh, older sister yeah. and mrs doubtfire and yes because <laughs> miguel's alicia her brother. according mm-hmm. to alicia. yeah according to imdb it's her character's name is alicia may i mean sure nothing she she never appears i don't, I don't think her name woman, is ever so. mentioned uh, at right. least in the theatrical cut. I think it, it might be in the director's cut. Because, again, like, the director's cut is, like, so much meandering of, like, you know, there's a lot more of, like, uh, Miguel being resentful of Randy Quaid. And mm-hmm. in fairness, he has good reason to be resentful. Like, the, the Q man, he, he needs to lay off the sauce. He's not being a very good father. <laughs> I just feel like, sure, Randy Quaid does come in at the very end and saves the day. But I feel like his storyline should be cut entirely have someone else save the day. Have the fucking Aww. president save the day. I don't care. But just like, there should be more real estate uh, given. Make Randy Quaid the president. Yeah. <laughs> Cut Bill Pullman. Yes, no, yes, 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 I, yes. To me, anything is worth. Hello, boys. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yes. Really and then uh, the crowd cheers. Oh. Yeah, they're actually, uh, I guess, in, in preparation for this, not really. Um, <laughs> one of the, in the distant past, uh, <laughs> episodes of Game of Thrones. <laughs> That left a really bad taste in my mouth. I'd, I had like a, I had some people over for a watch party. I was like, "We're watching Independence Day," because <laughs> it like it's just uh, especially like if you have a really you know a, a nice like home system. It's like it's just, hold like the you know the effects hold up really well. 
uh-huh. but it's just like the you know joyous dumbassery like of of like you know Randy Quaid's culminating moment. It always makes <laughs> His me happy. Suicide mission. Yeah, and then like the music swells and alien body parts are raining from the sky, and it's just so like you know. USA. That is, it is yeah. so, it's so, and, and it's like, I can't think of any other screen moment like that where, again, it was like, if if there was a suicide moment played today, it would be extremely grim. Mm. Uh, we would, you know, but, but yeah, this is yeah. like a blaze of glory moment. Like, it's not meant to be sad at all. Yeah. Like, when three children yeah. have just lost their father. There's three children are cool. They're like, I'm so proud of my dad. Like, we I'm not going to shed a yeah. tear. We inherited the RV. It's fine. They're Right. They're, now there's just three kids in an RV, which is a series I would watch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just think that we should have cut the Randy Quaid subplot and spent more time developing the female characters. I love Randy. That's no, all yeah, I, I have it. to say. Randy's got to stay. Okay. But give Randy's yeah. daughter more to do. I'd say cut one of Randy's sons. Yeah, we don't need yeah. all three of them. We don't need both Have sons. her be the puker. We, we actually don't. <laughs> we could get rid of both sons. We could make her... Uh, mad at Randy Quaid and sick, and yeah, then, then we'd have a petulant daughter like you're not my real father. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like that. It's a boy who's like you're not my real dad. <laughs> it's just the guy who married my mom. I think that's in the director's so cut. So moody. He's got a middle part. You're like ah, oh, ninety six. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, can we talk briefly about how this movie handles queerness? Which is that we see Harvey Firestein in the movie. He was the, the gay of the, the early 90s. <laughs> yes. Played the same character in uh, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. Doubtfire. Yes. You know, it's a pretty stereotypical portrayal of a gay man. Uh, then he dies almost immediately. Right. And then there's another moment where Steve Hiller is at base with Harry Connick Jr. Uh, Harry picks up the ring that he's going to propose to Jasmine with. Uh, so it looks like Harry Connick Jr. is like on his knees proposing to Will Smith. That's oh, what yeah. it looks like. And then the and then this other guy walks in, and then he sees them. I love that joke. <laughs> and then he like walks and away. And he's like cool with it. He's like, you guys, you guys are having a moment. I'm gonna leave you to it. That, I, that <laughs> I'm glad that you have that interpretation. <laughs> I interpret it more as like a, oh, I don't want any part of this. Let me slowly back away and then I, run. I guess but, I am coming at it from the like knowing Roland Dimmerick and his background of just like a being a, a gay man, b being incredibly naive. That does that context does is, help. Yes, because yeah. okay. I think like he thinks like obviously he thinks Harvey Firestein is hilarious, um, <laughs> and I don't think he sees it as self-deprecating or like as playing into stereotypes. Uh-huh. I think he sees it as isn't Harvey Firestein hilarious? Isn't it funny when he goes forget my lawyer? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like and uh, see, he's I mean, just cracking up behind yeah. the yeah, camera. Yeah, like he's like, oh, it's just like the fact that his death is, oh, crap. You know, like again, <laughs> something you would never ever see in a press right. 9-11 where it's like, yeah. it's like not even played for pathos. It's just like, oh, well, we lost another one. <laughs> so strange. Because like to me, Harvey Firestein plays way less into queer tropes and more into Jewish tropes. Uh, that's where he, like, true. Keeps t- he's like calling everybody and he's like, you gotta go stay with Anne Esther. You know, <laughs> and then like he's on the phone with his lawyer. He's on the phone with like every, you know, every person he has even a remote business relationship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, for $300 an hour, like you can put me through to his house in the Hamptons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that didn't that that didn't bother me too much. Just knowing that uh, it's a queer director, and it's like you know he. Uh, but also, Roland Emmerich made you know he made Stonewall, Stonewall yeah. and that. No, was... I think Roland Emmerich is a, is very 
like he's got he, some weird. <laughs> I know. I think he just like, and this is not to excuse it, but I really do think he comes from a place of incredible privilege because he was raised incredibly wealthy. He was mm. like, you know, lived in boarding schools his entire childhood, and then he just immediately got a ton of money and started go making movies. So I think he was really insulated from, yeah. uh, you know, the struggles because you know he doesn't. He's not really a part of any community except for the community of the incredibly wealthy. So I think he's incredibly detached from any kind of conversation. He's so an interesting cultural. There was a yeah. when I was doing more research on just him in general. Like one of the first things that pops up is an interview he did in 2015. Headline: Roland Emmerich being gay in Hollywood has been easy. And you're just <laughs> okay. like, well, yeah, I think I think that is true because he he does he's easy to work with by all accounts. Mm-hmm. He stays on budget. He doesn't rabble rouse. He doesn't ad- agitate. He doesn't advocate. And it's interesting because Stonewall was um, a passion project of his. Like that's basically why he made Independence Day Resurgence was so he could get funding for Stonewall. Huh. And you can also and you can really tell just that he has no connection with any queer communities. Mm. <laughs> he just, he's, he sees it as like, yes, these are my people, but he does not engage with them at all. Right. Or someone would have been like, buddy, <laughs> this is uh, a bad luck. Did he ask another queer person <laughs> about Literally that? any, like, no, I just think he just, yeah. he's very uh, isolated. And the fact that he just kind of, you know, plays the game and it doesn't seem to ever occur to him that to ask for rights for anyone but himself okay he's, he literally he really has not had a hard time especially yeah. because he had like two big hits right out of the gate and he could mm-hmm. just write his ticket to make any movie he wanted because you know it's because like he's i mean he was out but he never did any advocacy yeah uh, i mean i think he considered making stonewall advocacy yeah hmm. all right oh. well love an eccentric rich person yeah <laughs> Any other final thoughts about the movie before we wrap up? Um, it's just fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's just I, fun. I, oh. I love it so much. <laughs> the shot with the dog. I liked that. Yeah. Oh, the, when, the dog, when the dog like, like escapes jumping the explosion. Into the, yeah. I was like, that's oh, this is a big budget movie because there is a dog doing something heroic. Mm. I just, I have, I have infinite love for like, again, it draws back to the question of can a stupid movie be good? Because it's like, because I was thinking about like the... Uh, months ago finale of Game of Thrones, which was, uh, you know, I, it was kind of dumb. Mm. Like, and, you know, it's just like you have a, a show like Game of Thrones, which can't be dumb because it it, would, it was falling from such a, like, a place of, uh, you know, internal consistency and sharp dialogue and, you know, mm. character consistency. And then it just kind of got dumb in service of the plot. And for that reason, it was not good. But Independence Day is is deeply dumb and very naive and, like, just, <laughs> just you know, incredibly, like, myopic and, you know, hyper-nationalist. I, I, I'm just like, I don't want to say I excuse all of it. It, but I think I can, I can make a good case for it being a very tight, well-made movie in a way that Roland Emmerich has never been able to replicate. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Independence Day gives hope for stupid stories everywhere. I mean, that was a speech as beautiful as Bill, <laughs> Bill yeah, Pullman's. You need, to, you need to, like, hey, <laughs> hey, editor, you need to put Bill Pullman's, like, powerful music <laughs> under under my speech about how dumb movies can be good, actually. <laughs> and the movie... Yeah. Does pass the Bechdel test? Yeah, a couple times. Talking about sex positivity, <laughs> even that conversation. Yeah, that came as a surprise to me. Jasmine and her colleague, who gets named as Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. Yes. talk about the 
welcome party for the aliens Mm -hmm. and how jasmine tells tiffany that she should not go even though tiffany goes and then dies uh and then jasmine yeah and the first lady talk about that conversation starts with her son and then about will smith but then for uh, a few lines they they talk talk about about their careers yeah Yeah. there's a few tiny exchanges between little may whitman and her mom too that are just like hi mommy hi yeah but i mean just like there's especially that scene with jasmine and the first lady you're like all right we've got some there's some moves to this yeah there's some substance here i actually think uh i mean we may need to go back on this like review this but i actually think most of roland's movies pass the bechdel interesting i think godzilla might be the godzilla and the patriot might be the two oh the (laughs) patriot right Mm -hmm. yeah also, though, uh, remember that probably 99% of the dialogue is not passing the Bechdel test. So, <laughs> another possible minimum. Another tiny ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> a lot Little... of tiny ribbons on this gigantic yeah. movie. I suppose. And then there's like a lot of red pins. Yeah, like a lot. And, <laughs> yeah. Like some gold stars, a lot of red pins. That <laughs> is why I, like, I love movies like this that are like super watchable but deeply flawed like that's another reason why I like I love Transformers 07 was that was the only one that was watchable mm. of the group but it was so <laughs> like just so much to deconstruct like you know the military and the terrible characters and the way it's shot like oh I mean you're, I could go on you're an incredible series I could make it. a series about so, that so good uh, let's rate the movie on our nipple scale uh, zero to five nipples based on its representation of women I'm gonna give it like a half nipple <laughs> uh, because even even though there are some kind of like pleasant surprises uh, in the movie, like it passing the Bechdel test. We know what the each of the women does for a living, stuff like that. But also they're all just like characterized by the relationships that they have to men. Really no time is spent developing them as people who are important to the story in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, the women are there because they want to kiss the boys. La, la, la. So uh, half nipple and I will give my half nipple to is the dog's name boomer boomer, boomer. boomer the dog <laughs> i will give it one nipple also alfred molina could have been a hottie president he could have been randy quaid he's so he, yeah he can do anything so he could really be almost anyone in this movie um but i'm gonna give it one because sex positive question mark <laughs> yeah. i thought that was like a pleasant thing to see there be even though women have no effect on the plot in the movie whatsoever uh if you removed all the women from the movie it would, would just be, be different <laughs> 30 minutes shorter Uh, and then they fridged a woman and that's just so lazy and boring but I did like that you know they went out of their way to uh, you know fully characterize a sex worker in a way that wasn't shamey or shitty and that's true yeah uh, but then they fridge someone immediately after. Lots, yeah. lots to consider. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'm gonna uh, give it one nippy, and I'm gonna kick it back to Baby May Whitman. All right. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm super biased. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm grading it on a curve because '90s. <laughs> sure. I'm gonna give it two just because I love Jasmine so much. Mm-hmm. I think it is super curvy because when I think of like you, you know, like even a movie like Men in Black with its one woman, oh, uh, yes. you know, and like everything else again, Jurassic Park with its one woman and yeah, the one child woman and the one yeah the one child which there is a Jurassic Park reference whenever uh, Jeff Goldblum at the end when they're trying to fly out of the mothership he says must go faster must go yeah, faster yeah. which is also what Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park brave of him I know yeah. so yeah cool well Lindsay thank you so much for being yeah. here thank you so much yeah. for having me I we guess. love having you yes. every time uh, what would you like to plug where can people follow you online etc 
you can find me on Twitter at the Lindsay Ellis because I made that account 2008 back before <laughs> I realized I had to live with it forever. Um, and on YouTube, uh, my YouTube channel is just my name and uh, my debut novel, which totally has a title. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so it has such a title. Will be out <laughs> St. Martin's Press in uh, 2020. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> and it does. It, it, there, it does does definitely have uh, whispers of Independence Day. Aliens are involved. Whew, Love it. Good. Yes. Read her book when it comes out. Watch Lindsay's. <laughs> It'll have such a title. <laughs> It'll have so much of a title. Incredible. Um, I can't even say it. It's yeah, just so exactly. good. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> like I don't want to give it that power. Yes. <laughs> saying it out loud. And then watch... I don't want to be too successful. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch all of uh, Lindsay's video essays. We have, and we love they, them so very yeah, much. Yeah, they've informed some of our takes yes indeed yeah. so thanks again you can follow us at ever heard of us, Bechtel, ever heard of us? at Bechtelcast on the social media platforms that you tend to use Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, sometimes Facebook. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to our Patreon, aka Matreon. Celebrate your independence this year by giving us $5. What a great kind of an incredible way. use of democracy. If you are patriotic, then you should be give matriotic money to us. and yes. give us money. <gasps> matriotic. Like, matriotic. The Matriot, <laughs> directed by <laughs> Roland Emmerich. <laughs> All all female reboot of the Patriot, the Patriot. Well, I mean, Mel Gibson is canceled, and Heath Ledger is dead. Dead. R.I.P. So we have to make the Patriot. Yes. Um, (laughs) So you can you can sign up. It's five dollars a month for two bonus episodes every month. Plus it's, our entire backlog. So that's it's almost it's, it's almost all, fifty episodes so, at this so point. So many. Yes. We we can't stop and we refuse to stop. We're very sick. <laughs> yes. um, uh, you can buy our merch. We've got feminism is the law now. Yeah. Woman in STEM. Rise of the matriarchy are some of our newer ones. Plus all of our classics like feminist icon, feminist icon Alfred Molina, etc. Uh, at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. Yes. Um. And uh, until what. Our, and we will sound? not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We will live on. So I was we're going honestly, to survive. That was way better than my plan was to start singing America the Beautiful. <laughs> so that was, you kicked my ass. <laughs> Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Oh, beautiful. Force. Bye. Bye. <laughs> If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.